message was given at Hope Church of Knoxville. For more information about Hope Church, please visit our website at hopeknox.com. back into Genesis. We may actually take a detour next week and uh, the weeks following for uh, the sake of uh, Easter and preparation for Easter. But if you guys want to turn, we're going to be in Genesis uh, 16. And uh, I know Ben just prayed for us, but I want to go ahead and pray as well for this uh, particular passage as, uh, as we come to it. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather together as your church, to gather for the purpose of glorifying Christ. I pray as we return now to the Old Testament, we've been in Acts for a period of time, and I pray as we come back to the Old Testament, we will see how all of Scripture proclaims your name. pray that you will uh, help us treasure you more as a result of reading this passage. We love you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to uh, read, let me do this here. I'm going to go ahead and read our passage today uh, for us. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had uh, bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go unto my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children. By her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And after Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do as her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Then the angel of the Lord found her in the spring, uh, found her by the spring in the wilderness, and the spring on the way to Shur. And she said, Hagar, your servants of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that you cannot be numbered, um, or it cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son, and his name shall be called Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, and his, uh, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against his kinsmen. So she called in the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well shall be called Ber Laha Ro'ai. It is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore in Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old. And when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram, 
I used to uh, work, um, many of you may not know this, but I used to work for a mission agency for uh, several years. As soon as I graduated high school, went and uh, went to several different countries, a lot of places. I mainly worked as a third-party person. I was equipping churches to go out on the mission field, so I was kind of like the middle go-between person. Um, so I spent a lot of time on the mission field. I went to a lot of places. Um, it was really the thing I, I pictured myself after graduating and after becoming a believer shortly there before graduating. I pictured myself doing that the rest of my life. But uh, one particular trip, we were down in Venezuela and we were working next to a city trash dump. And these people uh, dig through trash every single day to get their food and they build their houses, which if you've been to many third world countries, it's very similar to this. And uh, we were going around uh, this trash dump, and we were talking to different families. And we met a woman, and we were asking them if we could pray for them. And we met this uh, woman who was holding a newborn child and her husband. And we asked her if, she could pray, if we could pray for her, and she said yes. And she said that uh, her, uh, her, son, her, her son, her newborn son, and her husband both uh, have some type of sickness and there, if you have sickness, it's not like sickness here. If you have a stomach bug here, you know, you can go get medicine. Uh, you can lay around the house and have uh, chicken noodle soup brought to you and whatever it may be uh, to help you get over it very quickly. There, whenever you uh, have a stomach bug, it's, a, it's nearly a deadly thing. They're already malnutrition, so um, there it's a, very much a deadly thing with her son not knowing whether he was going to survive and their husband uh, being sick as well. She was taking care of both of them. So we asked if we could pray for him. Well, uh, shortly thereafter us, uh, a huge prosperity gospel church pastor um, happened to be in the area, and he came and uh, he prayed for her, and the next day we saw him there as well. And before we got to go talk to her, we, we just let her know that we've been praying for her. He came up to her and he says, well, I prayed for you yesterday. Since your daughter and son, or your son and your husband are not uh, better, it's because you don't have enough faith. And at that moment in time, everything inside of me wanted to just go punch the guy right in the face, uh, which it's appropriate for pastors to punch people in the face when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I completely endorse punching people like that, so um, <laughs> you've heard it here. But uh, so in that situation, um, this woman is, she has nothing. She's, she's left with nothing. She has nothing. Uh, her house is literally made out of trash she's found in a city dump. She has nothing to hold on to. She has nothing to hope for. She has nothing giving her hope that that issue was resolved or would be resolved. And I think when we come to our passage today, we're going to have a similar story. We're going to find a woman who is, is left with nothing. She's left in despair without any hope. And I think this passage gives her hope. And I think if we are anything like this woman, I think we'll find our hope there as well. If you guys remember back to Genesis 15, we just uh, finished a chapter several months back. It feels like maybe a month back. I can't remember how long it's been since we've been back in Genesis. But if you guys remember back in Genesis 15, God made a covenant with Abram. He, uh, he slaughtered two animals and walked through it. And he says, uh, let it basically, basically be, let it be done to me if I'm unfaithful to this promise. And he promised Abram that he was going to make him into many nations. And he promised to give him a land. And we're slowly seeing that the land issue is coming up and it's going to be settled. And now when we're in Genesis 15 or Genesis 16, we're going to start to see how God fulfills his promise that he's going to make Abram a multitude, that we're going to make his seed, he's going to be, make him fruitful. And the story begins this way. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Most uh, scholars believe that Sarai at this time is around 75 years old. Um, 
I can't picture a 75-year-old woman having a child, let alone I'm 31 and I'm exhausted from lack of sleep having a child. So I couldn't imagine being 75. I know, Rob, if you were here, you could probably relate to me, the, the hour sleep increments. I couldn't imagine being that far into age and still even thinking that childhood or having children was a possibility. But God had made a a promise to them. God had said His Word is greater than her circumstances. How is it possible? I don't know. I just know that God's Word is greater than how you feel and greater than all your physical situation. It may seem impossible for man, but what is impossible with man is definitely and most certainly not impossible for the Lord. Now down to the passage. She had been a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. If you guys remember back to Genesis 12 where God, uh, Abram and Sarah were going down into Egypt. And Abram said, go ahead and lie and say to Pharaoh that you are my sister so that he will not kill me. So he had her lie and risked her, her purity for his sake to save his own life. And as a result of that, all these curses started falling upon Pharaoh. And as a result of that, he sends them away. And he sends them away with many gifts in hopes to appease the wrath of God. Well, it's very likely that Hagar, this Egyptian servant, was one of those gifts. So all these passages, all this narrative is building up to this point. We'll see what happens. We'll see whether they trust the Lord, whether they rest in His promises. God's already promised them that they're going to have a seed and be in the land. God's Word is sure. God's Word can be trusted. But here we're going to start to see that Sarai seeks to expedite these promises. She seeks to to make it so that they come about because she does not trust the Word of the Lord. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, that it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Literally, the phrase obtained children by her is be sunned by her. Go into Hagar, that I may be sunned by her. You may think that Abram and Sarah have come a long way since they lied about Sarah being his sister and lying to Pharaoh. And then we saw this great act of faith of Abram shortly thereafter. But here, once again, we're going to see them falter in their faith. Their life's kind of like a spiritual roller coaster. At times, they're close to the Lord and they're trusting the Lord and depending upon the Lord. But there are also times where they fall short of God's glory. And I think this is one of those times. But this time, rather than Abram being the one that falls, we're going to see that, uh, we're going to see that Sarai is the one who, who says, Hey, I, don't, I know the Lord has said this. I know the Lord has promised us this. Well, let's do something to go ahead and make it come about. Think about this. Let's bring this to our life situation. Let's bring this to a a modern day situation. Are we trusting the Lord at His Word? When a difficult situation arises, when when a life trouble comes about, whenever trials come about, do you trust the Lord and His Word? Or do you seek to compromise? 
Are you waiting on the Lord's timing? Are you trying to expedite things? Help the Lord, so to say. Or disregard His Word, not even caring about what He has said because you want things done in your time. This story is going to show us that when you seek to expedite these things, when you seek to do your will above God's will, when you seek that your will is the ultimate, we're going to see from this story how you will fail miserably. And you'll never find that thing that you think will bring you ultimate joy. Because only in God's will will we find that longed for rest that we desire. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took, uh, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. If you guys remember back to Genesis 3, right when sin comes in the world, what happens? The same exact phrase takes place. Eve takes the fruit and she gave it to Abraham. They're left with two options, faithfulness to the Lord or disobedience. Eat from any tree in the garden or eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now we're left with the same dilemma. Is Abram going to be faithful? Is he going to rebuke his wife, so to say, in this situation? No, what does he do? Sarai takes the fruit just as Eve took the fruit and she gave it to her husband. She took Hagar and gave her to her husband. And now we're going to see the results of their sin. Ironically, you hear in culture all the time, the Old Testament promotes polygamy. You know, the Bible talks about polygamy and endorses polygamy. And they always, people always bring this up. Why, don't, why are you against polygamy? The Old Testament has it all over. And what I want to say here, and what I think we'll see starting here, this is the very first time polygamy is ever mentioned in the Bible. But I think what we'll slowly start to see anytime it is mentioned it always causes pain, conflict, and sorrow. Just because it's in the Bible does not mean that it endorses it. Satan is in the Bible, but it doesn't mean that he is endorsed. Sin is in the Bible, that doesn't mean that we should do it. Likewise, polygamy, it is in the Bible. And it always causes difficulty for those who take part in it. Down to verse 4. And when he went into Hagar, she conceived, and she saw that she had received uh, that she had uh, conceived, and she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, "May the wrong be done to you as it was done to me. Be done to you on. Or may the wrong be done to me be on you. I gave my servant to you to embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me." But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and then she fled from her. Think back to the Garden of Eden once again. There's a lot of parallels between these two passages. Back in the Garden of Eden, what happens as soon as they sin, God asks, How do you know that you're naked? And then what happens? Eve says, or Adam says, It's the wife that you gave me. Then Eve blames Adam. It's like back and forth. They're all trying to deny that it's their fault. Same situation here. Sarah says, it's Abram's fault. It's your fault that this has happened to us. It's your fault that Hagar is mad at us. And then Abram says, no, she is in your power. It is your fault. How often do we have the same response to sin? 
rather than taking ownership and saying, I have sinned and repent from it and flee from our sins, we start to blame others. You know, I struggle this because of this person. It's this person's fault. They have caused me to sin. They have provoked me to sin. Sin is still sin. And it's not those who are sinless who are, who are made much of in Scripture. It's not those who are perfect. No, it's those who acknowledge their sin and repent of their sin and put their faith in the finished work of Christ. He is the perfect one. It's not those who try to hide their sin and try to say that they are sinless. No, it is those who acknowledge that they are great sinners in the need of a great Savior. And they put their hope and rest in Christ. They repent of their sin. They acknowledge it and they flee from it. It is those who find their rest in the Lord. It's not those who try to deny that sin is there. And try to blame others. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. Shur is in Egypt. And what's going on is she's on her way back to Egypt. She's, she's fleeing from Abram and, 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 and Sarai. And she's hoping to go back to her land. She's without hope. She's lost all things. She's going back and now she's pregnant with no spouse. And she is hoping to find rest going back home. And this word wilderness... It's not like wilderness that we think where you go and you, you set up a, a hammock or what, what are those things? that Enu. There we go. It's not like one of those that you set up. No, this is a desert. She's going through a desert and she comes to a spring of water. Why is this significant? It's at this place that she's going to find nourishment. This is an abused and used woman, and she is fleeing. She's got nothing to hold on to. She has nothing in her life, nothing to be proud of. She has no name. She's a single mother running back to her homeland, hoping to find someone to care for her. And what happens? She encounters the living God. She comes to the spring of life. The God who provides a spring in the midst of her desert. She is running. All hope is gone. And she comes to a spring and meets the Lord there. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've got nothing to hold on to. It seems like everything in your life is falling apart. It seems like nothing can go right. You feel like you're in a desert with nowhere to go. Run to God. Find your rest in the living water of Christ. Verse 8. And he said to her, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. We often want to make the story all about Sarai and Abram. We want the story to be all about them. But remember, there's something that everyone is learning in this passage. She is fleeing and without hope. And this is very much about her. 
She is called now to submit to a mistress who just sent her away. She's called to go back and submit, to trust the Lord over her circumstances. What can we learn from that? No matter how difficult your situations may be, being in the presence and the obedience of the Lord is greater than any difficulty this world can offer you. I don't care how difficult your life may be, there is greater rest in obedience to the Lord. There is greater freedom. She thinks she's getting freedom by fleeing from those people and going to a land where she has no obligations. But there is greater freedom in obedience to the Lord and submission to Sarai than she'll ever find on her own. There's a freedom in obedience to the Lord and His Word. And listen to what happens as a result of this. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that you cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Notice that the same promises that were given to Abraham, that he was going to make him, he's going to multiply him. Make his seeds as many as the stars. He's going to make him fruitful. These same promises are now given to Hagar. Trust the Lord. She's going to multiply. He's going to multiply her. And notice the name Ishmael. What does it mean? It means the Lord hears. This woman who is without hope fleeing from her situation in the desert... And what comfort is it? She's now going to have a child that will remind her that God hears her cries. In your difficult stage, no matter what trial may be going on, remember the Lord hears your prayers. All those who are in Christ have the assurance that God hears their prayers. Your prayers are not ending at the ceiling. They're going up to the sovereign Lord of the universe who has control of all things. And He is working all things for your good. There is peace in that. There is joy in that. So in the midst of your trials, know that God hears you and cares for you. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction, he shall be a wild donkey of a man in his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against his kinsmen. This language of Ishmael is language that he's going to be fearless. But also, it shows the contrast between Isaac, who's going to be born. Remember that the nations are going to be blessed through Abram, it's going to come through Isaac. The nations will be blessed through Isaac, not Ishmael. But here we see the nations are going to be against Ishmael. This is where the tension starts. This is where the the battle between the two begins. So uh, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. 
This is an interesting verse here. And the reason it's very interesting is this is the only place in the entire Bible that someone gives a name to the Lord. Very often, names of the Lord will be revealed to their people. But this is the only time in Scripture someone actually gets to name the Lord. And what does she say? How does she describe Him? She says, you are God of seeing. He sees her in her distress. He hears her in her distress. Think about all the false idols in Egypt and all the false idols around the world. People make these statues. And they start worshipping these statues. And these statues have no ears or fake ears. And they have no real eyes. They cannot hear anything. They cannot see anything. They've made these, these wooden false idols. And all they are is a piece of wood or a statue. They have no real ears. They have no real eyes. When you cry out to them in prayer in hopes that they'll deliver you from a situation, they cannot hear you. They cannot see you in your distress. Yet she calls out and she names the God who sees and the God who hears. She calls out to the one who can hear her, who does hear her, and who sees her in her pain. She worships the true God. Therefore, the well was called Ber La'ah Ro'ah. Literally translated, it's the well of the living one who sees me. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And we'd be quick to think that the story ends here. Hagar receives her name, her identity. She's given hope. God takes the worthless, those who have no value in the world's sight, those who seem to be of no value, of significance. And He gives them a name. And we think, God has done great things in this passage, and this ends here. But the story really doesn't end here. If you'll turn with me to Galatians 4. I'll give you a second to turn there. And we're going to look at verse 21. And we're going to read to the end. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law. Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abram had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. This may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. 
Now you brothers like Isaac are children of the promise. But as for that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. But what does scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For a son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son of the free woman. So, so brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So we see the significance of this passage. It's not just a random passage in the Old Testament. What is this pointing to? Hagar was a slave. God made a promise to Abraham, and it was through that promise of faith. He believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. If he would have been faithful, then this child, Isaac, would have come by faith. But he sought to expedite the promise. He sought to receive the promises of God apart from God. And that's where Hagar comes in and represents the Sinai covenant. Those who seek redemption through obedience to the law. You'll never find salvation. You'll never receive the promises of God Apart from God. You cannot obey your way into heaven. It's always been about faith. It's always been through trusting the promises of God and resting in the promises of God. Just because he had a child with Hagar doesn't mean that changes God's plan. No. God's plan will still be fulfilled through Christ. It would be through Isaac that the Messiah would come. Through his patience. Salvation will not come through the law, but through faith. It will be for those who are in the desert, without hope, without anything to cling on. It will not be those who find their way and work their way to obedience in hopes of expediting the promises of God. No, it will be for those in the desert who cry out to the Lord. It will be those who meet the God who hears and the God who sees them. I'm going to ask Ben to come back up. In the... I want you to meditate and reflect upon this. Are you resting in the word of the Lord? Are you like Hagar in this situation? Are you trying to expedite the promises of God, ignoring what His Word has said? You'll never find salvation through obedience. You only find salvation by resting in Christ. Repent of your sins. Turn from those. Acknowledge them. And flee to Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for allowing us to encounter this passage today. I pray that it will help us treasure You more. That Your finished work on the cross was enough for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.